0: Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun.
1: (sighs) Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances, with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions.
0: See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Great. There goes my towel.
1: The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish
2: Rugby. Never stop competing. You're losing some unbelievable quality rugby players, but you're, there's positives there as well, definitely for the squad as a whole and for, for girls who feel trusted and feel very valued and that, that there, there aren't going to be those changes after one match, two matches, or people are going to disappear, come back, whatever. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Hello and
0: welcome to the Left Wing. I'm Sinead Kassan. Well, two Six Nations down, two Grand Slams, one for Ireland. This weekend is the start of the Women's Six Nations. Ireland play Wales at Cardiff Arms Park in their opening game on Saturday with a 2.15 15 kickoff. Now there have been changes since Ireland finished fourth in the table in the 2022 edition after that dramatic and late win over Scotland in Belfast in Round 5. There's been the introduction of contracts for 15s players, some high-profile players turned down those contracts. There's been a first ever summer tour with that trip to japan new additions to the coaching team and changes in player personnel so what can we expect from ireland in this tournament well here to go through all that is anna capeless former ireland flanker and ali donnelly of scrumqueens.com, and she's literally written the book on women's rugby anna and ali thanks for joining me Anna, to you first, uh, generally, as we count down to the Six Nations, you know, the Ireland team has just been named. How do you see this tournament shaping up
2: for Ireland? It's really hard to tell. Like, any kind of predictions are all speculative. You know, Ireland are, first of all, the only team turning up to the Six Nations who haven't been to the World Cup. So we haven't seen them play in a while. Great to have a combined provinces team and that Celtic Cup um, you know, to, to kind of lead in and to to spot younger players, of which we're seeing a few in the squad, which is great. But other than that, like as a team, you know, the team came out there now and I'm looking through the names and like I'm very excited for them. Um, But actually, I I, I don't know. It's all a big surprise and I've got all my hopes for them that they're just going to turn up and play and perform the best that they can. That's, that's, that's all we want, really.
0: Yeah, there is that bit of unknown factor,
1: isn't there, Ali, with this? There is, and you only have to look at the team to to recognize that you know a lot of the girls in there are being rewarded for playing very well in that in that Celtic challenge, which which is good. Ireland used that well. I think they mm-hmm. more than any other team kind of mixed and matched and, and used it as an opportunity to blood new players. I think you know it 's sort of strange to say, but it, Ireland have a feel of a clean slate this year. All the teams are in transition uh, and Ireland are among the kind of newly professionals in inverted commas, you know the new contracts and so on. They don't have any sort of World Cup hangover because sadly they weren't there. And they now have a quite a settled coaching team, unlike a few of the teams who have, have new coaches coming in. So, uh, you know, in some ways the pressure is off because the three winnable games, again, inverted commas, the games that they will be targeting realistically are all away. That makes it slightly tougher. This year is always slightly harder, I think, for Ireland when, when they're in flux. So, yeah, it, as Anna said, it, it's very difficult to call. I mean, I'm still you'll probably ask us later how we think they'll do against Wales. And I'm not entirely sure still how I'm going to answer that. And, uh, you know, I think that the fact that Ireland have picked a teenager in the front row kind of shows you where they're at in terms of their development. It's very unusual to pick such a young player in such a tough place in a competitive test match. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see them uh, play and how they merge together.
0: Yeah, Ali, I met you at the launch of the Women's Six Nations in London last week. And thanks again for sending on the recording of Nicola Friday after I messed that up. But you mentioned in your question to her about the changes in Irish women's rugby and obviously the introduction then of the contracts. Is this an odd situation or a different situation compared to the other nations? Um, Because... A number of players took up those contracts, but a number of high-profile forwards in particular, like Nicola Friday, like Sam Monahan, like Neve Jones, turned down those contracts?
1: Look, I think the start of contracting for every nation has been bumpy. And I think we, sh- you know, we should acknowledge that. There are players who uh, have much more kind of high-profile rewarding jobs in terms of salaries, and they-, they might not want to give that up. I think Nicola was at pains to say in her situation, it wasn't because of the level of salary. It was just didn't, she, she said several times, it just didn't align with where I was in my life. I think it's also harder now when players are established in another country and they're playing, you know, Anna will know this better than, than me, but, you you know, someone like, say, uh, well, Nicola, uh, Niamh Jones and others... They're, they're living over here in England and, and they, you know, they, they enjoy the lead. The competition is really high and, and they're playing week in, week out. So I think they've gotten off to a bumpy-ish start, but that's not dissimilar to other countries. And there will be players from other nations too playing who aren't contracted. Uh, so Ireland aren't completely unique in that respect. But I think it is a little unusual that the captain is one of the players who's chosen not to do that. Yeah,
0: I think she said like five years ago that players would have bitten their hands off for, for a contract like that. Anna, would you have done the same, you know, five years ago?
2: Yeah, I would have. And I kind of deliberately made myself uh, kind of f- free to to take any opportunities. Like e- even in the when I moved to the, the Premiership, I, I wanted to prioritise rugby, even though it wasn't full time professionally. And then I was substitute teaching on the side or doing whatever I could whereas you know other people have put time into their career and built them up so it becomes a very difficult decision then but surely with you know WXV competition like on the horizon you know players who initially rejected something like surely those contracts can be reviewed and they can have another look at them and like to, to back up what Ali's saying there very interestingly, like, I lived in a house last year in Gloucester um, with a girl from Scotland, a girl from Wales, and a girl from USA. And absolutely, the the initial stages of giving out contracts are very bumpy. Like, the players don't fully understand it. The management doesn't fully know what to do. Like, it is it is a really, a real, like, stage of, of, of trial and error. And that's definitely what's happened with Ireland. And, like, on top of that, like, it is... What makes me really excited about the contracts, like not just for Ireland, but the other the other players is that I'm really hoping for a big step up in like quality of rugby. Um, Because now we've had a couple of girls like even just skills, if you bring it like peel it back to something as simple as like skill, skill, skills, when you've been passing the ball, when you would have been in work. Surely this is going to give us like, you know, better, better everything like come the Six Nations and like, yes, it's been bumpy and there will still be bumps going forward. But as long as the quality of rugby is like improving, that's a good start.
0: Yeah, so I suppose it's kind of just an evolving situation at the moment and that hopefully any wrinkles that they will have to iron out over the line. I remember last year, Ali, when Ireland lost to Wales in the Six Nations opener, um, a few of the players mentioned how they definitely saw a difference in the Wales team and that had just come in for them back in January, they were just professionalizing their setup, but they um, a few of them mentioned about their fitness and that they saw the immediate impact of that. Will we see an immediate impact of what it 's in place at the moment for Irish players?
1: Well, I think Wales is a really good example to give because Ireland are exactly today where Wales were one year ago, you know the same the three, four months into their full time life. I think it 's a little bit different for Ireland because there are quite a number of you know, important players who aren't who aren't and who are travelling back and forth. But I think from a skills perspective, you'd expect to see something um, of a higher quality. Neave Briggs has been talking about that this week and saying she, even she's been surprised at that. But I think you can't put too much expectation that you'll see a complete transformation. It isn't a very long period of time. It's three or four months. It's not all the players. Um, and the thing as well is, of course, everybody else is doing the same thing now. So you, you know, Everyone's you're, getting better too. Yeah, exactly. You know, Italy are contracted, Scotland are contracted, Wales are contracted... Ireland had to take the leap in the end and they sort of pushed as opposed to kind of walking into the sun proactively but you know you'll see improvements in Ireland but you'll see improvements in everybody else as well so it's just about levelling out isn't it
0: yeah and uh, you mentioned there the Ireland team um, Ali mentioned about the debutant in the front row and and what about that at uh, the back line as well um, a lot of changes there and obviously a big part of that is the fact that the Sevens players the likes of Amy Lee Murphy-Crow Eve Higgins Stacey Floods, who would have started in that game last year they're not going to be they're not there in this campaign because they're focusing on trying to qualify for the olympic games next year
2: yeah and you know a, a lot of uh, a lot of journalists are always really interested in this one but it's because of so I know people. we are aren't we yeah 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 and it's always such a huge talking point I think because it's a, a real stark point that's different to uh the men's mm. and Ireland, we seem to kind of do it kind of specifically to our own uh, taste as well, um, where we kind of, you know, cross-code across sevens and fifteens. But, like, I was I, – I think it's – you know, when you're on a journey as a squad, to have people pulled in and out um, kind of undermines that journey. And, like, when you get to a really important game and you talk about, you know, in your pre-match, like, um, speeches from whether that's coaches or players. Like, can you talk about the journey you're on? If there's people being pulled in and out of that, it can take away from that. And like, you can't underestimate how important that journey is across a Six Nations campaign. And to have you know have the girls told like, right, this is us. And I I listened to um, a, a snippet of Neef Briggs talking about this, and straight away you know they, she was like, no, this is a great thing. We fully trust the girls that we have. And that message is so important that you know you are valued um, and that, you know, there's going to be no pulling around in, in, in your position if people come in and out. So that's, um, they're going to, it, yeah, it, it, you're losing some, unbelievable uh quality rugby players but you're there's positives there as well definitely for the squad as a whole and for for girls who feel trusted and feel very valued and that that there there aren't going to be those changes after one match two matches or people are going to disappear come back whatever so i think it's i think it's a good thing
1: i i agree and i think as well we just have to move on from this annual debate. You know, we, it, we, I'm, I'm kind of sick of talking about it, and I'm sure you all are as well. And it detracts, I think, from the the kind of story around the team. And I, I was also pleased to hear Neve say that because imagine you're, you know, at 12 or 13, and you're thinking, I'm only here because that person isn't. And now there's always a bit of that in international selection with injuries and so on. But I just think, how how can you build a culture of a team? You know, in a collegiate kind of collaborative working together way, if you are always doubting whether you deserve to be there, so I, I completely agree. It's it's a shame that you know the sh- the pool of depth is still shallow, so we haven't quite got the kind of replacements ready. There there isn't another Bethany Parsons. You know, she's just a fantastic. And, but I think that's the thing, Ali, and why it is
0: such a big issue is because exactly. the caliber of the player that, even though Bevine, you know, didn't start those opening two games last year, you know, Amy Lee Murphy-Crowe scored their first try, Stacey Flood in the centre was brilliant last year um, as a kind of second playmaker. It's almost the calibre of player that Ireland will be be without, and that's why I suppose it is a talking point.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think to be fair, there's sometimes a misunderstanding too for you know, casual fans. Ireland are in a different position to the other home nations, right? So Scotland have lost, I think, one player, Wales two, into Team GB. And England had separated their squads at a long time ago. So there isn't anyone in the same situation trying to qualify for an Olympics, right? So France have already qualified because they're hosting the Olympics. So it is more difficult in many ways for the Irish management. And I think it's taken the IRFU a while to get this right. But I think the separation is the right thing to do and probably should have happened a few years ago. So Ireland could have had a settled team for that World Cup qualification process. They didn't, uh, you know, players were in and out, as Anna said, and, and who knows if that helped or not. But look, they're in it now and they've got a team to build for the next World Cup.
0: So we, we, we all agree that it's the right decision for the RFU to do to, to have that separation.
2: I do, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. What you make of the, the 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 forward pack, Anna, um, you know, really experienced in there as well. I mean, Neve Jones, uh, Sam Monahan, um Mavo comes in there as well. Uh she was well, she's her talent has been mapped from quite a while back as well.
2: Yeah, it's uh yeah, exciting to see those girls kind of pull together as a forward pack. Uh yeah, a brand new eighteen year old prop in there as well. But like if you look at Wales, they're kind of uh they're similar they've got young kind of very fresh props in there as well so that's a real opportunity it's not like um you know they're coming up against this massively experienced front row that you know they, they all have the same kind of fears I suppose coming into this and and expectations and excitement but in terms of the forward pack like the the back row is just gonna be on fire like I've no doubt about that and like I can't wait to see Neve Jones uh in action again, she's just been so brilliant. Same with Sam Monaghan, Linda back in there. It's actually, you know, they're they're a squad to to a forward pack to be to definitely like Wales will definitely have earmarked and and know and done their homework on them because they're they're so strong and I'm, I can't wait to see them to, like finally like get get on the pitch again. Ali, do you believe Cleona
0: Maloney should still be in that squad? Obviously, Neve Jones, started to hook her absolutely outstanding last year, but. Do you you know, do you think Kleena should still be in there?
1: I mean, it's hard to see why she isn't. Whether she'd start or not, I I don't know. But I think um if you're a starting hooker in one of the best teams uh, in this brilliant league in England, it's hard to see why you're not in the mix at all. That said, yeah, Niamh Jones had a great year last year. I think they someone did a compilation of tackles from the Six Nations last year, and I think she was in about 80% brilliant. of them. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, on the bench, uh Darvla, who who had a a really good Celtic challenge. I think mean, no, she's fascinating moving from wing to hooker at international level, just feels unheard of. So, Ireland do have good hookers. Um, and so that makes it difficult. But yeah, look, like it's hard to. I don't know why Kleena's not on the team uh, or in the squad. It's hard to imagine. It's, it's, it's purely on form. Like she's, she's one of the best players over here. So, but look, Ireland have got good hookers. And I think Nate Jones probably absolutely deserves to be in the starting team.
0: Yeah, and Derval uh, she was outstanding as well in the Interpol series. She got a few uh, Player of the Match awards as well. Um, and, uh, so Ireland absolutely thrashed Wales. It was 45-0, imagine, at Cardiff Arms Park two years ago. But the Welsh set-up was in absolute uh, disarray back then. But they totally turned it around. They finished third on the table last year, which was their best finish since 2009. They made the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup, beaten by the eventual winners, New Zealand. Are they just further along in their development compared to Ireland?
2: yeah simply put yeah and i'm also excited to see them play um because they've identified some young talent they've some great um uh experience in there as well like the 910 partnership of like kira bevan and uh elinor like they're you know they have so much experience and i think it's almost hard on like uh clicky george who's on the bench she is a fantastic Young, uh, talented out-half, and she can't get into the starting squad. You know, and that—that's a testament to the experience that Wales have, and they're yeah, they, they're almost similar to Ireland uh, in many ways. And like to echo again what I was saying about when I was living with one of the Welsh players last year, and she was talking about the contracts that they were being offered and how it was frustrating, and they were. I was asking her about, what's your full-time programme like? You know, I was so, like, intrigued by it and I wanted to be on the same journey myself. And it obviously, oh, it came too late for me. And it's come a year later than, you know, than Wales now. So that'll be interesting to match up. Like, does it really, will it really make a difference in the scoreline at the end of the day on, on Saturday?
0: And all their players in the Premier Fifteens, alley.
1: Yeah, I mean, something that I, I say a lot is I find it amazing that a full international team... Uh, and squad are, are playing outside the country. Not a single player in the Welsh World Cup squad was playing in Wales. I, I find that I can't believe more people don't think that's unbelievable. Um, but it's it's testament, I guess, to the to the quality of the league in England and and the problems Wales have had, frankly, with their structures and their leagues that are only now being addressed. Um, yeah, look, it's a, the, the Welsh team. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? I, I feel I can say this on an Irish pod and hope there's no Welsh people listening, but they're the kind of team if you talk to, I mean, Anna, you can tell me, but I talk to a lot of ex-Irish players and no one really ever likes playing against Wales because they're, they're dogged, they're tough, they're quite scrappy, they do not make it easy. And we saw at the World Cup, particularly in that game against Scotland, where they were all but beaten to the last play of the match, they don't give up. And now they're having, you know, they got great experience um, at high level kind of competition in, in a league. So it's not going to be an easy game. You'd have to say they probably start as favourites. Uh, they they bring to it, they had a tough World Cup, right? They had to play New Zealand twice. twice played, yeah. You know, not, not very hard for them to get results, but they. I think they emerge with credit. Um, I hope they play a more expansive game. They can be hard to watch. I think that's fair to say. Um, yeah. But they certainly, I think, will bring, you know, really good driving mall. I'm really interested to see their their front row they've got a very young a 19 year old two Pluto who's been playing in back row I mean Anna you probably know her better than I do hasn't got a whole load of experience at this level uh, in the front row either so you've got two teenagers in there but um yeah it, it's, it's one of those games I think you just don't really know how it's going to go and that makes it quite exciting
2: She's one to watch for sure. Um Cecilia Tupelatu. She like when she, she played in Gloucester with me last year and when I found out her age I was like jaw on the floor, couldn't believe uh how how, young how, she how was. good she was, how good she was and how young she was. And goodness like hopefully you no know, injury and everything is good to her because she'll have a, a a long like successful career in front of her like she'll definitely become a fan favorite she's so she's such a great young player great attitude and everything so I'm really excited for her being in the front row kind of means you don't get as much kind of free time out running which she would have done with Gloucester in the back row um slowly kind of they, they they made her way into the second row up to the front row now so I'm excited to see what she can do in there Um, but she's one to watch for sure yeah
0: Looking forward to her this weekend. So I suppose the fixture schedule for the Ireland women's isn't the exact same as the men's. It is away to Wales, home to France, then just one week off, and three consecutive weekends of games uh, away to Italy, at home to England in the second last game, and uh, then at uh, playing Scot- or and then away to Scotland. Ali, the squads generally post-World Cup, have had a few retirements. You know, there's kind of a bit of transition for the squads. Like this weekend is Sarah Hunter's last international game for England. She's retiring after their game with Scotland uh, in her hometown of Newcastle. Will we see the gap between England, France
1: and the rest closing? Or what way do you see that now? I I think it's still a two-tier competition uh, with those two. I mean, mean, we could talk about France. They've had a lot of change uh, post-World Cup, a lot of retirements, injuries to key players and they do have a few players away with seven so how they go I think this year might and will be interesting but yes I think those are the two teams you know France were a kick away from being in the World Cup final they really should have been in there they should, um, yeah. and, and they weren't and that's that's rugby isn't it um so so yes I think so can the gap be closed absolutely probably not this year though what do you think Anna
2: um I think in terms of France their 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 first game is away to Italy which is yeah, that's going to be tough and Italy will definitely be sniffing out an opportunity there. Um consistently in in terms of results, I think I I I have to agree with Ali in terms of how the table might finish and like that fight for third place, it's kind of it's kind of sad and it's a bit frustrating that you know you you're coming into a tournament and you know England or France are gunning for each other and then everyone else is fighting for a third place, you know, and instead of all six teams really believing that they can win I don't know if that happens in even the men's side but like you know when are we going to get to that stage and it's a bit uh I know it's still a bit away you know I'm glad that the wheels are turning on it now but yeah it's going to be a fierce battle for third place this year and probably more valuable than usual because we've got uh, the The third place yeah. yeah who will qualify then for WXV so um huge huge um kind of pressure on that more added pressure on that third place this year um, than than before
0: yeah and Ali you know from from your position as well over there I mean you spoke about the hangover from the World Cup looking at England losing that World Cup final they were just so odds on favorites you know to win that World Cup will they have recovered from that emotional heartbreak hangover how are they looking
2: I still haven't yeah.
0: recovered from it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And sure, we spotted you over there, Anna, doing your bit of singing in the crowd during one of the oh, matches. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was me. <laughs> Jesus, you have a great voice. He's, he's, he's still hanging on to that hangover, I think. Um, yeah, look, I, I think England are a fascinating proposition this year. I, I think they'll win the championship. Uh, though I'd say two things make it slightly strange, and maybe there's a glimmer for others. The first is the slight oddness that they've kept the co- you know, they're moving their coaches on at the end of the tournament and they're giving them a tour. I find that bizarre, frankly. Simon Middleton to the gun after the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look, he, he, you know, he had two World Cup cycles, they didn't win either of them. And, you know, the time was up, right? But presumably he was contracted and that made it difficult for them. Yeah. Uh, but I think that is strange because what it doesn't seem, what, what I think it won't allow England to do is to move on quickly. So you've sort of got one foot in the old era and, and one eye on the future, right? So I think that is strange. And I think what, how they will play will be so interesting because we all sort of observed how they played at the World Cup, huge reliance on their forward pack. There was a bit of criticism for that. And in the end, it didn't pay off. And will they change that? They probably don't need to for the Six Nations, but it'd be interesting to see if they do. So so England, look, favourite still, especially because that last game against France is, is here in Twickenham. You know, they're gonna break the world record crowd. So so they're they're really interesting. The other thing to say about England is maybe this doesn't matter. However, after the last two World Cups, twenty fourteen, who won the next six nations? Ireland, twenty eighteen, who won that six nations? France. So after the last two World Cups, they've had a sluggish so, sort of year afterwards I think I think they're it's different now because they're more professional and they're just better um but I think it'll be interesting to watch their style of play um I do think they'll they'll be pretty big winners against Scotland this weekend which you know in, in a way you don't want to see massive scorelines I could see it I'm, I'm sure any Scottish listeners would disagree with me but Scotland are improving rapidly but they are missing some key players this weekend. And I think the kind of emotion and occasion around Sarah Hunter's last game is going to you know, give England a, a little bit of a, a boost on top of being in front of a sellout crowd in Newcastle. What's your reading
2: of it, Anna, of where England are? I think it's interesting because I was ch- chatting to someone earlier in the week that was saying, you know, this is a good opportunity to pip England because of so many key injuries. And then I looked at the squad and I was like, <laughs> you know if I hadn't had that in my mind I might have not even realized that there were injuries because they have you know they just have such a fantastic depth and like players that you know from the premiership that are performing out of their skin like week in week out so um an interesting one for them is that they'll have a you know a former Canadian prop um Mm. playing for them so that's that's an that's an interesting one for England and um, I think, yeah, I, I think they're still going to be, and I think as well that that depth that I was just talking about there, I think that's the reason that they're not going to allow any sluggishness in, um, because the competition for their spots and there's a lot of girls in there that, you know, didn't make it to the World Cup or or were kind of sidelined a lot for the World Cup, so they'll be like, right, here it is now, this is my jersey, I'm not letting it go, so I think they'll they'll be they'll be fiery um as well on that.
0: So let's bring it back to this weekend's game: Wales against Ireland, Cardiff Arms Park, two fifteen kickoff on Saturday. How do you see this going?
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I feel that Wales. You, if you had to put money on it, you'd probably just about put it on Wales because they're at home. They have the benefit of having a couple of months in camp together through the World Cup, played some tough games. They're one year into their professional journey, if not a bit more. They just look a bit more settled. Uh, I, you know that doesn't mean I don't think Ireland can go there and win, but you know push comes to shove, I'd say Wales will edge it.
2: Okay, I'll go with Ireland. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we don't want balance. No, but I, I I just gotta say I completely agree with Ali because, like I was saying at the beginning, like I don't know, no one knows. I don't think the players themselves know, and I think that all you can do at this stage is just focus on yourself. And, um, you know, focus on your own systems, your new, like Ireland have only had two camps and I know they had, you know, other competitions and things beforehand, but that's actually a really short time uh, compared to, you know, when we used to play in the in the February window, we had like the whole month of January, including a warm-up game. You would have had warm-up games, Annie, yeah, because,
0: I mean, obviously there was the combined provinces, that competition, but... You would have it's had different.
2: more of, yeah, 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 we would have had like the full squads. You know, you select a squad of 32, 36, whatever it is. That whole squad would have gone to Wales or Wales would have come to us. It was always against Wales. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of a hard thing as well because you're kind of trying to keep your cards close to your chest and you're trying to give everyone a run out, but they didn't have that. So that's an interesting... You know, you've got to go with your gut. Like they just had two weekend camps. Okay, I'm going with this. And uh, they've just got to back themselves. So okay, I'm will go. i going to go with Ireland. I <laughs> think Ireland is going to win.
0: <laughs> so who are we looking at then for that all-important uh, third position then of, of the rest? Uh, because, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, Anna, um, you know, added significance behind that this year because of the new global women's competition, uh, the WXV, later this year.
2: I actually, but I, I was glad you were going to say something because I was about to say, I don't know. Again, <laughs> again, it's so hard to tell. I kind of have a, a feeling for Italy um that they've you know they also had some good results good performances at the world cup like some really standout players and they've been in and out of getting contracts and and for short term and then into long term but uh they've got a new coach as well so i've, I've a good feeling for them especially with france going to italy that could be a big opportunity for them to get a win against your so-called top two um you know tiered tier teams uh let's like let's see if you know if the the ireland italy battle you know can that could be a, a, a that could be a key match actually and whoever could take that match could uh you know could take that that third third place spot
1: i'm going to say wales on the basis of all the things i've just said about wales i think they look tough <laughs> to beat and I think they they are a team who will really have benefited, like I said, from that year together. There's also a lot happening in the game in Wales, and I think that can sometimes galvanise you. There's a there's a, you know lots going on around governance and sexism and all the rest of it. And actually, to their credit, they've not really been dragged into that, and they focused on themselves. So I go with them. The other thing I would say, though, at some point Scotland are going to start winning the games that they lose by a point every match. It seems. And this year they have three, their are three winnable games that they will be saying are winnable. Ireland, Italy, Wales, they're at home for all of them. So they have an outside chance despite finishing bottom last year. And they only finished bottom because we pulled it out the bag. That's in the right, last- that was an outstanding right. win at the yeah. end, yeah. And, you know, at some point that is going to, you know, winning is a habit, losing is a habit. They're in a losing habit now. I do think something will click for them and they'll start winning those games. So, I'm, I'm sticking with Wales, but I'm just saying there's an outside chance that you know Scotland could win three games. And um, you know, I, I you know, in a way, apart from playing us, I would love to see Scotland win some games because God, they have been so unlucky. Well, and they,
2: it, they won in Spain. <laughs> Oh, sorry. They won in Italy. I mean, sorry when they when they they took uh, the last kick to send us home, and they went to the World Cup That's qualifiers. Right. So, but so Ali's right. Yeah, that they're it's starting to to happen for them. And and you know, we talk about like you know the contracts and stuff. Scotland have been ahead of the curve for a long time in terms of like they've had full time players for much longer than. Any of the other teams, like they've had Jade Conkle, Chloe Rowley on full time contracts that were, um, and other players, placed in France or England and allowed to play their club rugby, and they've been full time rugby players for a long time. So Scotland have been investing in the game a lot longer than people might realise. So I, I, I agree with Ali. They're, they've they they were really happy to go to the World Cup, but they learned a lot at the World Cup as well, and they they're tired of of. Um, of losing well, after so much investment and so much time together, they're a really strong, like, tight-knit group. So I, I agree with Ali, they, they, they're they about to become like very dangerous um, team.
0: I think a lot of our I don't knows will be answered after the weekend. And here's to uh, a cracking opening weekend of the Women's Six Nations. Anna and Ali, thanks a million for joining me. Thank thanks you. So thanks again to Anna and Ali for joining us. I'll be in Cardiff Arms Park on Saturday for the game. So we we'll love all the reaction and follow up from that on independent.ie. We'll also be back every Monday after the Six Nations weekends to review those games. So for now, enjoy the opening weekend and thanks for listening.